Welcome back, everyone, for episode 24 of the Zero Analytics Podcast, where we explore the karting world to hear the journey from top performers in all aspects of our sport. In today's episode, we visit Eldorado Springs, Missouri, to visit someone who was in their early stages on the karting scene for high horsepower engines, but he and his family have a storied history in the motorsports industry. Many of, the, many of you drag racer fans might recognize the McGee name. With our guest today, we hear about how motorsports brought his family from Australia to the United States. We follow his journey from junior dragsters, full-size drag cars, and sprint cars through not only racing carts, but also building top-notch high-horsepower motors that some of the top teams in karting use at the Big O, and how that experience led to much of the karting world following his his and his dad Phil's midget car team at the famed Chili Bowl this past year. I heard many good things about today's guests leading to the podcast, and as you'll hear in our conversation, he definitely lived up to the expectations. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend, Mr. Luke McGee. Right, so we'll go ahead and get started, man. Uh, welcome to the show. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Luke McGee of McGee Racing Engine. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, no problem. No problem. And uh, so we're kind of, we're at the end of March right now. We're going through all the uh, coronavirus. And actually, I ran the miles. We're definitely social distancing. We're about almost 1200 miles away from each other so um, oh wow <laughs> yeah so uh, kind of luckily with um you know with technology and you know we're recording right on skype so it's kind of it's a good thing and i know um you know even with everything going bad man i know like my little uh my stepsister's pregnant and you, so many people you're not allowed to actually have them in the room now so like even just facetiming like after she has her baby with her mom and stuff like that it's kind of technology has come a long way man um, that's for it, sure. it has it's awesome really it is dude you could talk to anybody anytime (laughs) yeah it's it's a good thing man and uh so definitely what um so you're kind of even though you're pretty much a lifelong motorsports guy you're relatively new to the world of go-karting i would say right yeah absolutely i haven't been doing it very long at all right and um and don't let people throw that off that just means that you haven't been racing go-karts but you've been I mean, everything from anything to do with a motor, pretty much, since you've probably been, you've either been around it or been working on it, probably since you were old enough to, to hold a hand tool, I would say, probably, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I started at a real young age. Even uh, in my dad's shop, I was like nine years old, and I was helping him uh, tear down engines, and I didn't know what the hell, hell I was doing, but I'd start tearing down engines and uh, washing parts and stuff like that, and... Uh, by the time I was 12, actually, I, you know, started welding and I started building, uh, his chassis cause he, uh, he had a, he was a chassis manufacturer as well. Um, we built turnkey junior drafters and, uh, so I figured, you know, I'd help with the business in that aspect. And I actually built, by the time I was 15 years old, before I even had my driver's permit, actually, I had built him over 139 chassis just for his business. Um. So yeah, I've, I've been involved in doing stuff a long time. Um, you know, it's just amazing you get get that get that much experience um, being so young. I guess. Yeah, definitely. And and just um, so like I was kind of looking back on even like some of the websites of uh, like McGee Cams, and it has kind of like a brief history on uh, McGee Cams going all the way back to is your is your grandfather's name is it Headley or, or Headley? 
Yeah, Headley. Yep. Headley. Okay. And um, so originally, you guys, like your family anyway, like uh, was McGee Cams founded in Sydney, Australia. And um, just for some of the people listening that maybe have a background, at, you know, listening to dragsters and stuff like that, um, just kind of maybe give like a little history on your family's name and their business and their contribution to the world of motorsports um, going back long before you even were on the earth, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, see, my dad, uh, he's what's he's called McGee Racing Cams, and my uncle, Chris, out in California, he's uh, McGee Cams. I don't know. You you might have been on his website. But uh, anyways, in Australia, um, Headley, my grandfather, my dad, uh, they just got involved with uh, midget racing down there. And uh, they're an uh, importer for Meyer, Meyer and Drake uh, Offenhauser engines. So they were uh, developing uh, camshaft grinds and uh, me- mechanical fuel injection for the midget and sprint car stuff there. And uh, anyways, after that, he, 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 wanted to, he wanted to go talk to racing. And uh, that's what ultimately brought him over here to the United States in the 70s because uh, he wanted to go professional top fuel. And uh, kind of did that his whole entire life. He developed a they called it the McGee quad cam engine. It was a dual overhead cam top fuel engine. He was the first ever guy to do that. And he had his ups and downs. Yeah. And he had success with it too. And the NHRA, the sanctioning body ended up ultimately banning it in the early nineties. And, uh, at the same time, um, NHRA came out with the junior drag racing league. So him, you know, his motor just got banned and stuff. So he ended up, Created a uh, big junior dragster company out of it, and you know, took my oldest brother Justin racing, and uh, so that's kind of how I got into it because uh, you know I was young then, and uh, I started racing at eight years old with the junior dragster stuff, and he had already had that company and started it, and you know he's very successful with it too. We came out with our own engine blocks, and we're actually the first guys to come out with the first uh, aftermarket flathead engine block, and. Uh, just you know going from there and uh that's that was kind of definitely my first involvement with the single cylinder stuff as well right and so when you started racing when you were eight were you racing more local were you guys traveling um something kind of like an i guess like a regional circuit or something like that how did i don't know much about the dragster world so how um how did you kind of get involved i guess when your older brother was already racing maybe and you just kind of it was a little bit easier to kind of fall into that. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm the youngest brother. I actually have two older brothers. Um, Justin, obviously that I just mentioned. And, uh, my middle brother is Briar. And, uh, but really, man, we, we traveled all over the place racing. And, uh, I just, you know, I got to tag along because dad was, you know, big time, you know, junior dragster company and engine builder, chassis manufacturer. And, so I was able to get a ride, obviously, and we we just went racing and uh, raced all over the country, man. Uh, East Coast stuff, Georgia area, um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Coast stuff, Midwest stuff here locally. We raced point for points championships here in the Midwest, and uh, that's kind of just how it happened. Okay. And and just out of curiosity, when if you can even remember, um, so you're – you're 26 now, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so 26 now. So back then when you were eight, when you got into it, did you have goals of, is that what you wanted to be for the rest of your life? Did you do it because you were around it? Um, 
did you have any goals back then when you started? I'll ask you again, like what your goals are now, just to see kind of how they change. But yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah. The uh, whatever. I mean, as a kid, man, I always thought I was gonna end up being the top fuel dragster driver. <laughs> that's, right. That's, that's what I wanted to do, and uh, so uh, by the time I was sixteen, we actually, I, I got out of the junior dragster stuff, and we started building a an a fuel dragster which is basically like, like a top fuel dragster minus a supercharger and uh runs on 94 percent nitromethane or less it's a 280 mile per hour car and long story short the funding kind of just ran out because it, it costs a lot of money to race you know the, on that type of level and uh yeah man that's just how that's what it is <laughs> right right no i understand yep. um so, do you have any hobbies outside of outside of racing? If you have any time to do anything, or um, honestly, no. Uh, that's all I do. Is I, I race, and uh, every single weekend, I you know, obviously not right now with the world going on, but um, I race every weekend. And man, I go home. I I guess one of my hobbies is cooking. I cook. I cook a lot. I cook every day. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. What's uh? If I came to your house, what would be on the menu if you only had two entrees to choose from? Oh, we eat a lot of steak. Um, we love our meat, you know, and we're smoking constantly too, you know, on the, on the smoker, we, uh, smoke briskets and stuff like that. We're actually later in the day, I think, think uh, we're going to do a fish fry even. So, you know, we're okay. just always cooking. Oh yeah. Gotcha, man. That's good. Yeah. I actually, over the winter, I got a, um, I got one of the new Traeger pellet grills that kind of like runs on the Wi-Fi on your phone and stuff. And, um, yeah. So I'm going to try to like, uh, I know that's kind of cheating a little bit, but I'm definitely going to go ahead and try to, uh, to do some brisket and stuff like that, man. But, uh, that's cool. Oh, so, all right. So let's get back. So at 16 years old, um, you're running, you know, like a bigger car, um, as far as dragsters go, when did you make the transition to get like when that actually, you know, when the funding dried up for that and that kind of came to an end, did you stop racing for a little bit or did you jump into something else at the time? Yeah, I, I temporarily stopped racing. I I tried the whole college thing out, and you know, I moved to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, tried the whole college thing out for a couple of years. It just wasn't for me, and uh, so I ended up, you know, me and my dad sat down, and he wanted to go circle track racing again. And we sat down. We ended up deciding to put together a thousand cc motorcycle powered uh, lightning sprint car with a wing on it, mm-hmm. and that's I moved back home and I started doing that. And uh, I had decent success with it. My first year, I got rookie of the year. I can't remember what I finished in the points, but then the, the second year, I I finished third. And the third year, I I think I finished second or third again. And uh, you know, the whole reason I got into go kart racing was because in the winter time, you know, I got tired of not being able to run in the winter time. And I had a track forty. 40- Five minutes west of here uh, that ran in the wintertime. They called it the barn in Carthage, Missouri, uh, Civil War Arena. And uh, so I bought a cheap go-kart. It was like 1500 bucks with a just a junk clone engine on it and uh, just started running go-karts. And it just blew up from there, I guess. I got hooked. and uh, um, that, But that's ultimately, you know, my start in the go-kart world, I guess you could say. Right. I gotcha. And when... Um... So when you started racing go-karts, were you also racing, um, like, any kind of other cars at that time? Yeah, yeah. I started running a – I was running a midget, and then a, as well as the lightning sprint stuff. 
And then I actually, I, I drove the, the 360 ACS sprint car as well. Um, just all, everything was off and on, you know, I, I never had a full time. I never really did anything full time. You know, I was kind of deciding what the hell I want to do. Cause like the go-kart stuff, I started building engines and stuff and I figured, you know, I better, you know, go that route, you know, it was more of a, you know, make that more of a full-time gig. And, uh, so that's just what I started doing. We still, I still go racing with my dad. Um, this year we're trying to run once or twice a month with a midget with Yarbrough and, uh, possibly another guy too. Um, and, uh, I guess not even really full-time now. It's just, uh, but it's definitely more full-time on the karting side for me. Right. And how often, I think when we, uh, we talked in a previous conversation, you said that you had a couple go-karts and how often do you race kind of like ride it yourself compared to, I know you have a couple guys that, that run for you um, from time to time. Like how, how does, how do you kind of like look at your schedule? Is it kind of month by month? Do you set it out at the beginning of the year? You just kind of go day by day (laughs) out of curiosity. Well, you know, all, all the years past, it was kind of just day by day. This year, we had, had, you know, me and my fiance and a few other, we sat down, we started working out a schedule, and it was going to be well, a big schedule. And, uh, you know, right now we're on hold. We don't know what, you know, we don't know any dates for any type of racing going on right now. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But this year, it's going to be more scheduled out for sure. Then um, I just look at, you know, I, I'm looking at money shows and, I'm not running a series by all means. I'm just going to travel around and, and race and have a set schedule, I guess. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. And like talking about the midgets and stuff back um, before you got into go-karting, we'll say like, what was your favorite, the favorite thing that you drove um, from junior dragsters up through the sprint cars, the bigger dragsters and even midgets, um, you know, excluding karting. Uh, what, like, what was your favorite thing to drive and, and why, out of curiosity? Man, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the sprint car stuff. Um, it, it's a lot more cowboyed up. I always had the term, you put your balls on the dash when you drive those things. <laughs> <laughs> and right. uh, with, But with the drag, I mean, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy all sorts of racing. You know, I'd do them all full time if I could. Um, with, the, with the drag racing stuff, I really enjoyed it because it, I look at it as more of an of a engine builder sport, you could say, because you you actually download the data off off the Micron Tac every single pass, and you you know you get to look at a a graph. It's almost like dyno tuning, you know. It's basically like every single run you're tuning the thing. You know, you're looking at the drive shaft curves and stuff like that. So I really enjoy that just because I'm a data, I'm kind of a data you know driven type of man. Mm-hmm. Um, with, but the oval track, it's hard to beat oval track racing, though. You know, it's just anything about oval track racing is a lot more cowboyed up. <laughs> right, right. All right. And so let's get to, I know this past year you um, you made the trip down. Was this the first year that you came down to the Big O? Yeah, very first year. Yep. Okay. And um, how, so first of all, like, what are, what are some of the, what type of engines do you build right now? And, um maybe you build more than one or two or whatever, but what's your favorite to mess with right now? Um, really, my, I really like the, op- the big, the big open overhead valve engines. Um, and I also enjoy the, uh, the big open flathead engines. Um, unfortunately, you know, people don't race those things every single weekend. Um, around here locally in the Midwest, the, the stock appearing class is kind of blowing up. They're, uh, 
you know, a couple of years ago, we'd only have four cars in a feature. Now, you know, you're, you you show up on a weekend and, you know, there'd be a B main even. So that's mm-hmm. kind of picking up in our area. I really enjoy those, those engines too. It's a lot more bang for your buck over a, a stocker clone. Um, there's a really good engine, man. Really good engine. And they, you know, they can be very reliable at the same time. Okay. And yeah, and I like, we had talked before too about um a lot of the, and I say I mean I live in the Delaware area and so we're pretty close to PA and, and Maryland and stuff like that. But it seems like there's a lot more uh, tracks that are kind of going to like their stra- like their class structure is kind of more around kind of like the the open stuff or the stock appearing. And it seems like um, at least for them, it's just easier even maybe like following the rules package that so they can race different tracks and, and not have to like do it every week and kind of maintain it. But for them, it's, you know, they're how much they're spending compared to how much they're, you know, having fun is kind of a, kind of the way they're looking at, it, you know, like a different level. But uh, it seems to be like you kind of said, like over the past few years, that, that part of carding has kind of seemed to grow while some others have kind of struggled a little bit, I think like more of the, the regionals type scene. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think a lot of people get burned out on the stalker stuff too, man. Um, you know, because everybody's kind of the same level, you know, with, um, you know, with the engine, you know, the stock appearing stuff, you know, it's just a lot more funner drive. You have, you know, double the horsepower of the stock and reliable. And, uh, you know, the, I think that's what drives it locally here, too. You know, there's no national series around us. And, uh, you know, they, it's just a good class, you know. Yeah. Um so this year, so when you went to the big O, how did you get hooked up uh with the drivers that you did get hooked up with and um and who were they and and how did that uh just how that all kind of come about, I guess. Man, that's a funny story. I actually had a I had a, a driver and then another driver I need to say they backed out. So here I am, you know, it was June and I had already started on a couple engines and you know, I didn't have any drivers, so what I had done is I called uh, my buddy Roy Whaley, him and him and my old man, my dad. They were really good buddies, you know. They talked to each other every single every single Sunday on the phone, you know, after the after Saturday's racing, and uh, just very two very uh, mutually respected men, I guess. And uh, so I reached out to him because I just lost my driver drivers, and uh, he said, "Well, I'll make a couple phone calls for you." And uh, he actually it was funny. He said. You know, what do you think about uh, Austin Yarbrough? I said, you know, you just won with him last year. I said, do you not have him this year? Because I really wasn't, you know, paying attention, I guess, at that time. And uh, he was uh, on the Phantom stuff at that time with Connell and Fro Daddy had went to uh, the Charger stuff that, you know, runs all the Whaley stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, ultimately, that's ultimately how I ended up uh, establishing a relationship with Yarbrough uh, that way. But, uh, he couldn't run my flathead because he was, he had already worked out a deal with it. Uh, Dean Johnson power. And, uh, how I ended up getting Jamie was actually, uh, Roy had called, or he gave me Dan Sox's number actually. And, uh, Dan, he had gotten uh, a couple of leads for me. And then, uh, he texted me. It was like, it was like 11 o'clock at night or something. We were preparing go-karts. He texted me at 11. So what do you think about Jamie Knopf? I said, yeah, dude, absolutely. Fuck all these other guys, man. I want that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's who I want. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, it just went from there. It just went from there, and you know, and we had we had a blast down there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good. Um, it's definitely two good cards to be on the side of going into it for the first time. Definitely. Yeah, I was amazed that I got both those guys. I, you know, I lost drivers. I wasn't expecting to get two of the best. You know, on a short notice like that, I already thought they would already had you know things worked out. You know, right. with other guys and what they were going to do that weekend, but it just lucked out. It fell fell perfectly. I'm glad I lost my other drivers, honestly, because I couldn't ask for two better people to run my equipment there. Right. And how um how did they end up in that in that race, both of them? Jamie, he ended up finishing fourth in the Big O. Um, we actually qualified. We qualified really good. Uh, I struggled with the tuning of the engine a little bit just because the uh, elevation and the weather and stuff is so much different and south carolina than what it is here in missouri but um so the first qualifying session i think we i can't remember what the heck we were i think we we're like seven and uh see the lock in the top two in the very first qual so we ran the we ran the second session and we actually set quick time we actually we should have been pole, but like i said they locked in the top two from the first session so we started uh second row inside we started third and uh, he just got hammered going at turn one. He ended up going all the way back to 11th, and he drove it back up to fourth. And yeah, it was a good run. It really was having, you know, he had a lot of ground to make up, and mm-hmm. uh, he did he did a damn good job. With Yarbrough, on, on the other hand, we qualified. I can't remember what we, we either qualified third or fourth, and uh, it was kind of a shit show feature. Honestly, it took him forever to get the race going. Um, I, I was worried about all these alcohol engines run out of fuel under caution because they had them idling for like five minutes and uh anyways they got the show going and he he ended up making a pass for the lead oh probably halfway through it and he 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 had a lead all the way until the white flag and uh we got dumped and we ended up finishing fourth or fifth is how we how we finished in that one so you know the very first night there i was like shit man we're gonna win this thing (laughs) he was was, yeah i was in sticker shock (laughs) yeah yeah so that was um so that's one of the bigger races that you've been to go-karting wise then i guess right yeah that's uh as far as in the southeast i guess oh yeah yeah absolutely that was uh the biggest yeah karting event i've been to uh I, i went to the rumble in paradise with jamie and barnhill too the fifteen thousand to win, um, but I would still call the big O bigger, you know, They're just because right. the cameras are there, you know, and they have it on TV, and just a bigger event, more prestigious, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you know, between that and I guess, uh, did you build any engines for any guys running the uh, G Man Memorial last year? Or any no, plans? and the, the only reason I didn't was because uh, with. The, it's so hard to buy uh, old Blockzilla engines, you know, Brig and Stratton Blockzilla engines. Mm-hmm. And the G-Man, um, they weren't allowing the Terminator engines or any other aftermarket blocks. And the Blockzilla stuff is so dried up out there, and I couldn't find an engine block just to go even out there and run. So that's kind of why I didn't show up, just because I didn't have – I couldn't get an engine block. And then mm-hmm. – uh, so, like, with the big O and stuff, you know, they're aftermarket blocks, and those are things that are allowed there, so it wasn't a problem, you know, for that stuff. But I think they're going to allow um, – I don't know when the G-Man is this year, but I, I think it's, they're going to run it again. Um, they are going to allow it 
you know, aftermarket blocks and have more of like the big O rules. So um, if it's whenever they set the date, you know, you can bank on us being there. So. Right. And I think that um, and I was looking over the schedule and I don't, maybe it was Mackie Flood that that shared it. But I think they're having is it like a, even like a junior modified um, like a bigger race this year, maybe like a, a Max Daddy type deal. Do you anything yeah, about I, that? I saw that. I think it's uh, I'm pretty sure it's just all limited stuff. And I don't. I don't do oh. any limiteds. Um, I'm, I plan on doing it because I get hit up all the time for them. I just coming out of the junior drags or stuff. You know, I'm used to the the real big stuff. You know, with the big carburetors and stuff. I never built anything that small, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. so I plan on building some limiteds. I, but I, that's postponed too, ain't it? I think I think it did. I think it's supposed to be like in I don't know if it was March or April. So I think it's kind of like currently postponed until either later on or maybe to be determined. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hell, I might be able to get something together by then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kind of curious, anyone listening to this, like, do you like some of your bigger, like your opens and stuff like that? Do you have stuff that you rent out? Do you generally um, prefer just to build someone's stuff that they're sending to you? How does that, how does that generally work in the big motor world? Just out of curiosity. Um, this year I plan on leasing them out. Um, then bringing more this, you know, this year prior, you know, I was just trying to get a driver. Um, right. I just wanted to go. I just, ever since I got in go-kart, I wanted to run the big O. That was my goal. You know, um, just because I see, saw what everybody was doing and these guys were running for, you know, 5,000, 10,000, $15,000 with them. Like, man, I really want to, I really want to do that. I know I could, you know, I know I could do it. Um, we've done it our whole lives. You know, we, we, uh, started doing, uh, you know, all that flathead stuff, all that technology and stuff, you know, we were us and Whaley and other guys, you know, we were, we were the true pioneers of that stuff. So what I've always just wanted to run because I knew it wasn't going to be a problem for me building horsepower like that, um, for an event like that. And, so, so going back to the big O, so, um, so you're coming here you probably, you're probably putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Plus, you know, you're going there to help two of the best guys that actually legitimately have a shot to win. And you're going there basically just to tune the motors for this race. What, um, tell me kind of just about your weekend or about, let's just say the race day for the big O, like what, what is someone like yourself that's really has, you know, pretty much the one job of kind of maintaining the motor? What are you looking at? What are you tuning throughout the day? And um, like kind of how do you approach that? Because, it's you know, there, I know a lot of guys that, you know, they either do tires or they may kind of maintain the go-karts. But I don't know hardly anyone that just goes there for the most part to kind of like more of a motor specialist, so to speak. Um, yeah. So. Um, so what I did... We- Around here locally, I had already been running the system prior. It's called the Micron LCU-1 system, um, or AIM, you know, the, who owns Micron. And uh, all that thing is, it's a wideband O2 sensor, and I just put it in the exhaust pipe. And um, it tells me air-fuel ratio, you know, coming out of the exhaust pipe. So changes in elevation, you know, it's very easy to see what the difference is on that reading from going you know, from Missouri elevation to South Carolina elevation. So, you know, I, the motors were cutting out a little bit, just like I said, because of elevation and weather and stuff. So I was able to uh, download all that data onto my computer every single time they'd come off the track and uh, just study it. And, you know, every single lap you could see uh, the different, you know, head temperatures and stuff like that. And um, seeing the different air fuel ratio data. And uh, 
I was able to just work off that and look and keep an eye on the weather all day long. Um, I had I brought my own little weather station down there, kept an eye on the weather and just tune them that way. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the old school builders, you know, they just tune them by looking at the plug. So can I, but um, I'm more like I said, I was more of a drag racer guy. So I've always wanted to see numbers. I've always wanted to see data and uh, just something that makes sense to me and uh, um, <clears throat> to me, anyways, that was the easiest way to go about that. And I don't know if I mentioned on here, but I know in our previous conversation, I, I'm a dummy when it comes to motors. So for the dummies out there like myself, what when you're looking at the weather, like what is it, is it more like humidity and temperature? Like what are like what are the key, I guess, like the main factor that you're really looking at and how it affects the motors in general? Yeah, I look at uh, the humidity and then I look at the adjusted altitude a lot. And uh, that can be worked out um really just off humidity and temp and stuff like that um so that's kind of just what i look like i i look for spikes in the you know air temperature and spikes in the humidity you know right before the the feature for the big o a, a cell had moved in and actually sprinkled on top of us so uh i had you know when it just went ahead and readjusted the carburetor before we even ran um knowing that you know the air was a little different i you know, and I looked at the weather station and it was completely different than how we qualified. So I was able to make that adjustment. Right. Okay. And another dumb question, maybe uh, for some of the guys listening, but generally as far as uh, adjusting on, on the motor, is that something that happens more often throughout the day during the summer? Or is it more often like in the spring and the fall where you're dealing with the, like the dew and, and stuff like that? I mean, does that affect it at all? Or is it more... I think it's uh, they can both be equally challenging. Um, with the summertime stuff, you know, like there out east, man, it was hot as hell. I, I thought Missouri, <laughs> I thought Missouri heat was bad, dude. But like it was, I think it was like ninety something percent humidity. And it was like a hundred and two degrees out, you know. So like the uh, yeah. relative temperature is like a hundred and eight degrees out, and you know these motors they just get hot. So you kind of manipulate them with fuel to kind of cool them down and stuff, and. You know, with the colder weather stuff, um, you know, you don't have to worry about burning up engines because, you know, it's cool outside. But, you, you know, if you, it can still become uh, um, humid out and stuff like that. And just like you said, the dew aspect and, uh, you know, that and the timing of the engines, too. It's not all about fuel, you know, colder temperatures and stuff. You can run a little bit more timing in them because, you, you know, you, you're not scared about burning the things, you know, up. And it just... Both of them, like I said, both of them can be challenging. Definitely the heat sucks. <laughs> heat really does suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only for you, but for the engine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, 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 can, you can't find a canopy big enough to provide shade for everybody throughout the whole day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, um, you know, so you went to, I mean, obviously you've been in other forms of motorsports, but when you came to the Big O or even um, the Rumble at Paradise last year, I mean, both big events, what were some of the things that stuck out to you um, just about the race day, the race teams, the event itself, um, good or bad, uh, it doesn't matter. But anything that really stuck out to you is kind of like your first, ex- you know, one of your first experiences, at least on the go-kart level of a larger and say more competitive event, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, like, they're very serious guys. You know, that's how they make their, you know, a lot of these guys, they make their living that way, you know. And just like the amount of tires they had in their trailer, you know, we don't see 
anything out here that even compares to that type of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it was, it was just pretty surreal. Um, these guys are on a whole nother level than what we are out here on the Midwest, you know, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to prepping the tires on the go-kart, you know, and have them all ready. You know, these guys are throwing tires at you if you're standing next to the thing to get on the grid real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And what, so when you race or more local is what kind of tires do you run out there? Is there a tire rule or? Uh, all the local stuff, there's really no tire rule. I still run all the maxes just because, you know, it's the fastest tire, really. Um, there's mm-hmm. times, you know, I've got customers in the, in the Texas and Oklahoma area. Um, they, they can't get off the Vegas. They think the Vegas stuff is the best tire. Um, you know, but man, I don't know shit about tires. I just, you know, I've ran that. I've always run the maxes and just cause they're quick. And that's kind of all I know. Anything about tires, honestly, is all in the maxes tire. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, probably with the two guys that uh, ran your motors this year, you probably be able to get a little information to to at least improve your your local racing a little bit. I'm sure. Yeah, man, I can't wait about that. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, yeah, he had offered to you know help my program out a little bit, and yeah, he's he's uh, I call him the goat, man. He's he's probably the best out there of all time in my eyes. And uh, yeah, to have a guy like that being able to help, man, I, I'm very excited about. It. I think it's gonna help out my program significantly you know and me me as a person learn too you know yeah definitely i mean i think the more especially you're i mean you're data driven i think the more the more you can understand the data that you don't already understand you know rather be the chassis or the tires like it's only going to help improve not only your engine builder you know your engine building but also just your racing in general and and how you can help customers and kind of relay that information so um, yeah yeah for sure like a lot of these other engine builders and cart shops you know they they've been doing it a long time they know the tire stuff and you know I'm, I, I mean i hope out people a little bit but you know i'm not, i can't tell them that i know everything because i don't you know um but all these other car shops they're engine builders as well and i don't honestly i don't know how i'm able to do it you know, i don't sell a whole lot of parts man i just crank out engine that's all i do Right. You might be better off that way, man. I've seen a lot of people get stuck with a lot of parts on shelves. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so what is uh actually we can get into this. So um so and how I came about you on social media and like Facebook was this past year during the Chili Bowl, um, I guess you and your dad owned the you know, the team and the car that he rode that Austin Yarborough actually drove during the Chili Bowl. And I think, you know, everyone competes and stuff like that against each other. But I think for at least a a week, everyone was kind of rooting for the same driver, you know, to see someone out there kind of kind of representing the karting world, so to speak. And um, how did how did that come about? Was that kind of did that all start because of uh, like the big O and you guys starting to get to know each other there? And um, yeah, that's definitely what established the uh, the relationship between us. You know, now we, we text all the time. We call each other all the time. We just we became really good buddies. Um, but after the big O, uh, sorry, we'll fast track a little bit. Uh, the Chili Bowl was coming around the corner and we actually we ha- we own two midgets. And uh, we had drivers for both, and believe it or not, we bo- we lost both drivers. But at the time, we had uh, we had only lost one, so we had an open seat available, and we weren't really too worried about you know filling that seat up. But we, you know that seat was available, so 
you know, like I just asked Austin about it. I said, what do you think? You know, and I asked dad, you know, and he said, yeah, absolutely. Just hit him up because if you follow him, you know, you, you always see him racing on iRacing and stuff. And, uh, he's just a wheel man. He's just always wanting to race something, anything that he possibly can. So I hit him up and, uh, man, I was very, uh, I was very impressed with what I saw in that kid. The first, you know, couple laps in that thing, he, he, he fell into place really quick. I think if you, uh, if he ran it a little more, you know, like maybe once a month or something, you know, he, he could have a career outside of go-karting. Honestly, he's, I could just see that in him. He just, he's a racer, dude. He just all, he, that's all he knows. He just, he can wheel. Right. And I, I hear that he's a pretty good person in general as well. Very respectable. You know, whenever, you know, now we could bullshit a little bit, but whenever I yeah. you know, was first getting to know him, you know, it's, Oh, yes, sir, you know, and he, yes, ma'am, you know, talking to females and stuff. Just very respectable young man. Right. And so, and I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not real familiar with the format that they do out to the Chili Bowl, but it's, it kind of probably resembles um, like the old go-kart days at Daytona where there's 200 people, you get five laps, maybe six laps, and then you're qualifying, you know what I mean? But how, um, tell me a little bit, or even like some of the people listening that aren't familiar with how that format works out there, could you give me like the, um, kind of like a brief overview of how that goes? Yeah, yeah. Um, the way it works there, really just in any type of sprint car or midget stuff is, um, as well, uh, you know, you have your heat races, uh, sometimes with like the USAC sprint cars and stuff, you have your qualifying laps, but like at the chili bowl, you actually have, a you, the moving days on Sunday. So you get moved into the building um, they put all the trailers in there. And, uh, then you have a practice day on Monday. They, they used to actually, uh, just have like two rounds of practice on Monday and then they'd start their preliminary nights, um, on Tuesday. Now, now they, uh, you only get one round of practice on Monday and they actually put out a whole entire show as well um, with a preliminary night. So uh, it's kind of like a, like draw of the hat type of deal. They, uh, you know, they kind of just pick your uh, preliminary night for you. So like we, uh, we got to practice Monday and we didn't, we didn't end up getting to get back on the racetrack till Friday. You know, we were, we were pretty damn bored all week, just sitting around in the trailer, maintenancing the car. Man, we cleaned it a lot <laughs> four days, you know. And right. uh, it's just it's just so many cars, you know. They have Monday night, you know, Monday through Friday is all the preliminary nights. So it, that's the whole trick to actually have a good run at the Chili Bowl, man. You got to bang it out on your on your preliminary night. And uh, if you, uh, I think they lock in the top. If you get top three on your pre- preliminary night in the feature – you get locked in for Saturday night's A main and the rest of the field on that preliminary night, um, they branched it out. So if like things like third to seventh, you get in the B main on Saturday and you know, et cetera. So, you know, it's like seventh to 13th, you'll be in a C main on Saturday. And, uh, so that's the whole key, man. You, you gotta have a good run on your preliminary night because Saturday, um, it's just constant racing. You know, I think this year they had a, an O main, and uh, there's right. two rounds of each, and they just do the whole entire alphabet up. There's so many cars. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. That uh, you're there all week with nothing to do. It's... Oh yeah, I, you know we ran on Fridays before, and it sucks if you tear shit up because they kick you out of the building at uh, at midnight. So if you run, you know, late that night, you tear up a lot of shit. Well, guess what, man? You got thrashed Saturday because you're not allowed back in the building until 
you know, eight o'clock in the morning. So right. that sucks. If you tear up a lot of shit on Fridays, <laughs> it really sucks for Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> when, so you said this year, I think earlier in, in our conversation, you were talking about, um, you're going to try to do the, you know, run the midget a little bit throughout, you know, every month, maybe a couple times or once or twice. Did you say that, um, is Austin going to run that at all during that, like during the season? Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. We, uh, well, he was supposed to come out here in April too and have another run um, for us, but everything's on hold. You know, all right, the USAC right. stuff, everything's on hold, so it sucks. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the plan, anyways. And there's actually another go Carter out there that's gonna, I think, potentially have another run um, in our other car in our other car if it works out too. So another East are Coast you, guy. Are you allowed to release that name, or is that still uh... not yet? Not yet. Okay, cool, man. <laughs> well. I think, you know, I'm hoping that everyone that's listening, you know, we'll get to like how they can follow you on social media. So, you know, keep us updated, man. I think, um, I think it would be cool to, cool to see some people, man. I'm sure if it works out for them and they move on, then maybe there'd be another seat open for someone else, you know? So, yeah, that's what I told dad whenever I approached him about Yarbrough, too. I said, you know, even if he does, if he ends up, you know, driving for somebody else, even with sprint cars and midgets, you know, we kind of, if he ends up having a career outside of go karts, you know, we could say that, you know, we helped him get into that we you know we gave him a shot and uh you know he's worth it man absolutely worth it yeah and i and i think too that um you know even just through like not only just your personal business but even your dad's or whatever you guys are pushing whether it's a, you know sponsorships or your own businesses i think you know with you you know almost like um not really a feeder program but you have a couple people from the go-karting world that people follow that are high level i think you'll gain more fans and more publicity and just I think it'll end up benefiting you, I think, you know, in the long run as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've been talking to Dad. I've been bullshitting with him, too. You know, we could almost start, like, a development driver program for all these go-kart racers that are, you know, wanting to come up in something different. Yeah. No, no. Hey, man, it, it is what it is, dude, because there's a lot of – I mean, and I don't know exactly how much it costs, but I think that um, – you know, I mean, there's a lot of parents out there that are spending probably enough to maintain your midget car on go kart racing right now, and uh, you know, like there's always that type deal too. But um, oh, it's crazy amount of money some of these guys spend on the go karts, dude. It really is. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. And um, so I, I just heard you open up a drink, and it kind of reminds me of something that someone put on uh, social media. They wanted me to uh, ask you what your favorite drink was. Oh, that Mark Manus, man. <laughs> I saw that comment. I call him the, the million-dollar mullet boy, that guy. <laughs> he's a, I swear he's Leonard Skinner's little brother, dude. He, uh, he's, a, he's a good guy, though. Uh, here locally, he'll bring around. He'll like, Once all the race is over, he'll uh, bring out the moonshine. He has some really good really good home moonshine. And, uh, yeah, he's just, it was just an inside joke, I guess. He made that comment. Right. I, can't believe, I can't believe that guy asked that question. <laughs> that's funny he just wanted to get the shout out that's what it was man he's getting ready to start up his own brand where uh you know whatever it may be but um yeah, yeah man, man all these not all these non-essential workers man they all need work at the moment hey, there you go, dude. <laughs> oh man are you so are you are you um so obviously i live in delaware man we're on a basically like if you're not essential you got to kind of stay home or whatever but uh, out where you live, it's maybe. Are you on lockdown right now? Are you pretty much free to do whatever? Or just social distancing, I guess. Or... Yeah, just I guess you can call it social distancing. I don't know if a whole lot of people really 
listen to that. Uh, we're not on complete. <laughs> we're not on complete lockdown by all means. Kansas City, uh, St. Louis, and Springfield. I think there's a, another couple cities too that have just released a you know lockdown order. All the mayors are putting out. But as far as the state, we're not in a. We're not in a lockdown. The governor hasn't done that yet. I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Um, so no, are you? You guys are locked down. Yeah, we are. We um, I. I actually I do environmental inspections for my real job, and um, so I'm it's tied to like the federal permit, so I'm able to go like kind of do my stuff still. But um, yeah, You're right now, essential man. Yeah, I'm essential. That's what I said, man. I'm, I'm feeling important for the first time ever. You know? And um, but no, it's it's kind of eerie because I drive like up to the northern part of the state a couple of times on Route One, which is like super busy, and um, it's like right now you only see you know basically commercial guy like commercial trucks or you know, over the road trucking and stuff. There's not really, it's kind of eerie. You know, even going to the, the supermarket or to Walmart or something, it's, it's just kind of eerily quiet. People are keeping their distance. It's, um, it kind of reminds I mean, me of like Christmas morning, dude. It's like no one's yeah. out, you know, it's like Sunday morning. It's very weird. It's getting it wild. Is. It really is. It is. And uh, I, I do know my, I mean, my kids are home. I have a, actually a two year old and he's almost nine, but my Nerf gun game is getting pretty good lately. You know, <laughs> that's a so, good idea, man. I, I might have to go get some of that so I can shoot my fiance every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> well, yeah. Good luck with that. That's my wife hates it, but um, yeah, it kind it, it kind of sucks, man. I know, um, you know, like his birthday is coming up. We were gonna have actually a Nerf gun battle with his friends, and you know, with all that going on, and and him and I, we both do martial arts, and even you know, little league baseball. Everything right now is. They don't even know if they're going to have a lot of that stuff, and uh, it's kind of uncharted territory. But um, it is what it is, man. You know. Yeah, we're all we're all in the same boat with things. You know, it's not even you know, like you said, baseball and you know the carding stuff. It's all forms of motorsports and all other types of events too. Um, you know, NASCARs on delay. You know, we had an iRacing racing NASCAR race. I, did, I, yeah. did you see that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. See. Pretty interesting. Pretty wild stuff going on. Uh, the NHRA. Uh, my brother, my oldest brother, Justin, he works for, are you familiar with John Force, the funny car guy? Yes, yes. He, uh, he works for Robert Height. Uh, he works on Robert Height's funny car. He does the blowers for them. And, uh, they don't, they don't get to race till June, you know, and they, they were ready two weekends ago in Gainesville, Florida. And, you know, so the shop's kind of dead, you know, like what, what do you do whenever you already have everything done? Yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. It's, uh, it's like I said, man, it's weird for everybody. Uh, kind of, kind of talking about even like you know you mentioned your brother working on um, on a race team. I mean, so earlier I kind of asked you, I was like, what was your goal when you first kind of got into it? You know, you wanted to be, you know, you wanted to be a drag car racer. Like now, fast forward almost twenty years, you're a couple years into your own business, and it almost and kind of like me. I mean, I raced for fifteen years, and I just went to just doing tires and traveling around for that. But I almost enjoyed that aspect of it more um and you know in some ways i mean i miss driving but you're kind of almost along the same lines I mean, you still race a little bit but you're you're real involved in you know whether it be the midget or going out to help people like how how have your goals kind of changed over the years and do you still really want to race or are you kind of more comfortable just kind of being you know a large piece of the team that's kind of more behind the scenes so to speak well uh you know, I have the, the occasional run. Um, I, my last run 
running a go-kart was at a little indoor track in Lebanon, Missouri for the, they call it the winter, the winter shootout and uh, tight little, tight little bullring track, six second lap times. And I fell out of the seat on lap 15 because I couldn't hold my neck up anymore. <laughs> You don't so, wear a sissy. Do you wear a sissy strap? No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm too big of a man, dude. Everybody be making fun of me. Yeah, but uh, no, the just weird how things play out. You know, I get just as much satisfaction and um, I guess accomplishments um, just with being like almost like a crew chief. You know, like mm-hmm. motor tuning and stuff like that, or setup stuff. I, I enjoy setting carts up and. Uh, even the midget stuff and doing shocks on the midgets and stuff and i just it's weird how it plays out i didn't think i'd do that whole deal i've always just wanted to be a racer but um i get just as much sat, you know satisfaction out of just helping you know just having mm-hmm. any part of it that i can i guess yeah no i agree man i um like i said a few years ago my my wife and i we decided to have another kid and i kind of stepped away from go-karting but it was and I actually got into martial arts because of my older son. And I really like for me, it's like with martial arts, it compares a lot to to go kart racing, whether it be tires or setup. And I, you know, I didn't do engines or anything, but it's like there's so many different combinations. And I know you've you've alluded to, you know, like you're kind of more of a, a data driven person as I, you know, as am I. And a lot of people that have been on here. And it's almost like knowing that there's almost, you know, kind of like chess or something. It's almost like there's an unlimited world out there of combinations and scenarios that it's, it's harder to get bored with. Like, you know, even like, as you really start to learn it and you really start to understand how much you don't know about it, it's, it's almost like, because there's no end to it. It's um, for someone like myself. And it kind of maybe sounds like you that kind of internalizes stuff and thinks about it and overthinks probably some things that it's kind of good for, um, for that aspect of, of how we kind of work maybe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, you brought up like combinations, you know, that's, you know, you you can never quit running out of combinations, whether it be, you know, what you're doing with your tires or like what I'm doing with my engine stuff, you know, different cams and having to, you know, meter the carbs a little bit different or do the cylinder has different. Um, seems like I'm always just constantly doing something, you know, I'm constantly coming out with another cam grind that I'm trying, you know, always doing R&D on the dyno. Um, there's just a limitless amount of combinations that you could do that, you know, they might not be as, you know, good or better, but uh, you could make something out of it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Then you run into good combinations and stuff. You could build off that, and uh, it just it never runs out. You're constantly always improving or constantly trying different things, you know. Yeah, definitely, man. And, uh, you know, just listening to you talk about, you know, even like guys that have been high level and other aspects of carding, I mean, the motor aspect of it for you is, I mean, that's kind of like your canvas, you know what I mean? And it's, it's really an art to how you put all the pieces together and, and make them and mold them. And then, like you said, all the combinations and, um, it's just like, you're like an artist that's never really happy, but like you're learning something from each portrait. So you're kind of adding it to the next one to try to get better, you know? Oh yeah. Um, constantly, constantly. Like I just, uh, came out with, oh, I'm coming out with a new cam grind. I've been doing a lot of R and D with it, um, for the open stuff. And, uh, you know, I dyno this thing and the very first pull on the dyno, it bent the heads of two billet lifters so you know <laughs> what did i what did i have to do i had to start making i made a better billet lifter and i'm gonna uh, introduce that to the market too so like just always trying crazy stuff and 
you know, I made really good horsepower, but just bent the lifter. So I got to make a bet. And so here I am chasing my tail, you know, coming up with another new thing, you know, it's just never ending. Right. Uh, well, man, we've been going for almost an hour here and I'm going to start to wrap it up, but, um, kind of a couple last questions and a couple final questions, maybe, um, just in racing in general, whether you were driving or if you were just there, uh, it could be at the track or even at the shop. Like, what are um, maybe your favorite memory or some some of your favorite memories, like throughout the years, um, just kind of involved in motorsports itself that stick out to you as as you kind of look back at this point. You still are kind of like in just the beginning of it, but um, yeah, well, um, you know, I have a lot of good memories, dude. I have a lot of good memories with the junior dragster stuff too. You know, coming up in that whole deal, being a kid. Um, then like you know with the go kart stuff you know obviously right now my be- my best memory is the big O stuff you know it, that really helped me out like business side of it as well and just it just being at that I guess that caliber of a race and being there the first time you know just that was another very good memory. Gotcha. <clears throat> and so anyone that's listening to this that is interested in uh talking to you about motors like what is the best way to get a hold of you um you know website facebook are you on instagram Uh, what is anybody listening that wants to reach out because some people like to call and some people like to shoot messages at first you know um yeah i don't know the best you know facebook's a good way of getting a hold of me um you can message me on there. Sometimes I'm delayed with getting back to people on my Facebook page just because I'm so dang busy all the time. Because um, I'm I'm a sole guy here in the shop. I'm just you know I'm do everything myself. And uh, but you know if you really need to get a hold of me, just give me a call. Um, that's the quickest way to get a hold of me. You know, and if I don't answer, a lot of times it's because I'm in the machine shop and I really can't hear anything. So mm-hmm. as long as you leave me a voicemail, I'll always give you a call back. Um, or you know, people could even email me. Uh, it's just Luke at McGeeRacing.com. I check my uh, my email pretty religiously. I'm always checking that because I do a lot of business through email. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, out of those three ways, you can get a hold of me. Okay. And when we um, when this comes out, I'm uh, hoping to get it out tomorrow on Sunday. And when, when I put this out, I'll tag you on Facebook and everything. So if anyone sees this, they can easily share it or, you know, click on your name and get a hold of you. And so in addition, though, like as far as like if there's other engine builders out there, do you you also make parts outside of just complete engine packages to sell? Like what are some of the things that that you really consider maybe like some of your top products that, you know, things that you really sell a lot of that maybe someone listening might be interested in as well, other than just the total package deal? Yeah, for sure. I uh, man, I sell a lot of parts. I do everything here in house uh, whether it be boring honing blocks grinding my own cams doing my own carburetors doing my own cylinder heads you know i do it all i even supply a lot of the engine builders out there at the moment um with cams heads carburetors and stuff and uh you know as well as to do it yourselfers um so if you guys ever need any advice or like if you you know have a if you want to build something just get a hold of me i could i'm more than willing to help um i'm sure that we could definitely put together a very good package um, for the end user, another another product that I sell a bunch of is uh, my uh, fully seen seed stock appearing carbs. I don't know if you've been on that on my Facebook page, but I'm sure if you scrolled, you could uh, see that. That that was the other thing that kind of put me on the map. I guess uh, we started cranking 
those things out like crazy, dude, because we were the only guys doing it. Um, so, you know, between all that stuff, um, we just do it all. Anything that you want, dude, we can really do. <laughs> the, right. the, uh, the options are kind of limitless around here because we just do so much. Cool. Well, well, man, I know that uh, I certainly do appreciate your time. I know everyone listening will. And uh, like I said, we'll tag you on everything. Is there... Um, there anything else you want to get out there before we leave? Um, I think uh, I'm sure you have a couple of people you might want to give a shout out to what, that are listening. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the biggest thing, you know, biggest person I could thank is definitely my dad. He, uh, you know, he's the guy that got me involved with in it, and uh, I learned everything off of him. I learned how to be a machinist. I didn't go to school for any of that stuff. Um, you know, I'm self taught, and I learned everything off him and. He's uh, definitely the reason why I am today. You know, he got that uh, the racing addiction, you know, in my blood and uh, just carried on from there. Definitely got to thank all my other, you know, family members as well. My mom, my uh, my mom and both my brothers as well. They've they've all supported me. They've all helped me in some way, shape or form. And definitely my fiance, too. She she has to put up with me and uh, couldn't ask for a better woman to do that, I guess. <laughs> no, that's good, man. And it um. You know, as you'll see, I mean, as you probably already have, man, it, it definitely takes for you to be able to follow your dream and definitely takes someone that's that's willing to support it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I'm just, yeah, definitely. Yeah. She supports me real well. You know, I, I don't think I could uh, have been with another girl, honestly, and then be OK with me just, you know, spending money on my brand new shop, you know, that is a pipe dream. And she put up with it. You know, she believes in me. And, uh, yeah. It's hard to find that in people, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Everyone says they do, but it's like when it comes time to actually support someone doing something like that, it's uh, sometimes it ends up being different than what you think it's going to be, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yep. so that's good, man. Well, again, dude, I appreciate it, and um, I'm hoping that to one of the bigger races that we get to see you, I mean, definitely the big O. I know if Alex White from, from up here – if he's going down there, I'm going to try to uh, shoot down there with him, man. Maybe we'll get together, and I'll bring a grill and let you cook the brisket that weekend. <laughs> hey, buddy, that sounds good. I'll uh, that, or I'll bring uh, my other buddies down too. They they can really cook. My buddy Rod, man, he he cooks a very mean brisket. <laughs> cool, he'd, man. He'd, he'd be more than happy to smoke a brisket by all means. Definitely, man. Definitely. Well, again, man, I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, buddy. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody, for listening. I hope you were taking notes on that one. As always, with any of the guests, if you see them at the track or if you see them on social media, uh, reach out to them with any follow-up questions or just let them know you appreciate them giving up their time to come on. So remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, share, and like us on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, take care, guys.